have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, your troubles will be miles Merry little Christmas now.
welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Hi, it's Richard here, your faithful announcer. We are so glad you are listening. Casting our podcast on the waters of providence, trusting we encourage growing, biblical, dynamic, soul-satisfying prayer lives which glorify God. From the pen of Martin Lloyd-Jones, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. John Owen adds, I pray God with all my heart that I may be weary of everything else but converse and communion with him. J.C. Riley adds his insight. Never, never may we forget that if we would do good to the world, our first duty is to pray. And now to our fine host, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the podcast principal. We are back again to our to an episode on the genius of J.C. Ryle. And as we're moving forward, beginning prayerfully regular episodes again after the first of the year, we are creeping through, as it, as it were, a call to prayer by J.C. Ryle. And by faith, I am praying that each of the episodes when it's all finished, will actually be a very full picture, not only of Ryle's message, but a worthy set of messages for review that cover some of the basics after all. And from that book, we know that prayer is a command and that there are many benefits and blessings to pray, to prayer. As of late, Ryle has been pulling further on our emotions and our spiritual desires. We know, and we've discussed just in part because that's not the point. Theology is not the point of this podcast, the Free Range Preacher on Prayer. But we know that we're new creatures. We recognize that we have new desires, and they're born to our new souls or to our souls that are now quickened by being born again and by the Holy Spirit. And we want to do what God wants us to do in our lives. And there's a sense that every true Christian We will have sorrows, and many of those sorrows stem from not doing intentionally the will of God. We've now become citizens, and we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, and that means the old stuff, the old flesh, everything that's part of our natural nature, no longer satisfies us. So our sorrows many times stem from the fact that we're not engaged in our pursuit of God and His holiness and living this worthy life that he says throughout the Word of God. And as Christians, our joys, our well-being, is enhanced by following the Word of God and his purposes in our lives. And Ryle, knowing what truly motivates the soul of a born-again person, of a child of God, has turned to that motivation. And he says this. So we're quoting from the book now. We're jumping right in. Without controversy, there is a vast difference among true Christians. There's an immense interval between the foremost and the hindermost in the army of God. And we've talked about that even in the last episode on a layman's look. We talked about that a little bit. But for us, the core of the truth is our true desires as Christians are to be a part of the foremost in God's army and not the hindermost. 
We've been left for a reason, and we are more fulfilled as we enjoy God and His purpose for our lives. The last several episodes on the Free Range Preacher on Prayer have been covering the eminent holiness that we truly desire and why some have it more than others. And that's what he's going to talk about. And he's going to continue in today's episode. As I was thinking about this, one of the names of God is Yahweh Nissa. And you'll find that in Exodus 17, 17, 15, when Moses, after a defeat in battle, sets up a pillar, a, a rallying point, and says, Yahweh Nissa, God is our banner. That's what that means, Yahweh Nissa. God is our banner. He's the one that's over our heads. And a common act in war in those days to give a king's troops a symbol to keep fighting for was just that, a banner or a big flag wherever the king was. And it would fly. It was taller than, than the melee that was going on around it. And it would fly over the battle. And once the banner fell or started to run away, the warriors in the field knew that the king had either fallen or was running away. And typically, their hearts melted and the battle was lost. And in fact, the king of Persia in Alexander's day ran away twice from defeat. And that was the last major battle that he had against Alexander, of course. But his troops immediately melted away anyway. But that, that's common. That was common in warfare of old. And as the writer of Hebrews calls us in our great cloud of witnesses, at least that's one application of Hebrews 12, 1-3, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostilities by sinners against himself, that you may not grow weary and lose heart. The Bible does that for us, raises up that standard, and Ryle is going to raise up a similar standard today in our call to prayer. So after making the point that there are some who don't grow in faith and some who do, then Ryle moved from there, making the point that some grow and some don't. He moved from there to the fact that many people think that spiritual growth is a gift, spiritual maturity is a gift. And that's where we pick up on our Ryle again. When he says, I do say that when a man is once converted to God, his progress in holiness will be much in accordance with his own diligence in the use of God's appointed means. And I assert confidently that the principal means by which most believers have become great in the Church of Christ is the habit of diligent prayer. Again, I believe he takes Bible study for granted here, but it's both of those things as we saw in our last episode. But then he says this, this is Royal again, and I'm quoting, Look through the lives of the brightest and best of God's servants, whether in the Bible or not. See what is written of Moses and David and Daniel and Paul. Mark what is recorded of Luther and Bradford, the Reformers. Observe what is related to the private devotions of Whitfield and Cecil and Van and Bickerseth 
and McShane, tell me one of all the goodly fellowship of saints and martyrs who has not had this mark most prominently. He was a man of prayer. Depend on it. Prayer is power. And that quote, and then he goes on, prayer obtains fresh and continued outpourings of the Spirit. He alone, that's the Spirit, he alone begins the work of grace in a man's heart. He alone can carry it forward and make it prosper. But the good Spirit loves to be entreated, and those who ask most will have most of his influence. Glory to God. That is true. And that's the end of his quote. Sorry about that. So those are the banners that we talked about that are over our heads that Ryle and the Bible is holding up for us. Moses talked to God face to face. In Exodus 33, 11, you'll find that. He was also called the most humble man on earth in Numbers 12, 3. Do you think there's any connection between his prayer life and knowing God? David is called a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 13, 14 makes it clear that's why he was chosen. David was. And Acts 13, 22 verifies that in the New Testament as well. And how do you become a man after God's own heart? Knowing him intimately, talking to him. Daniel, he was a servant, but oddly enough, he was a resister as well. And his life, his steadfastness, his service, and his defiance were born of a deep and abiding prayer life. You know Daniel 6. Three times a day, Daniel bowed down in prayer, and so eminent, using a word from Ryle, so eminent was he in that prayer life that his rivals even used that to try to get him killed. Paul, he was a man born out of time, but as a grace, he was given special revelation. We find that in 2 Corinthians 12. And as we know he always prayed, we know that that special revelation then caused him to have a thorn in the flesh, which he took to God in prayer until he got the answer no. But his life was a life besotted, as they said in the olden days, with prayer. George Whitfield, you've probably heard of him. He was a noted, noted evangelist in the days of Edwards and Wesley, I think in the 1700s that was. William Cecil, to be honest, I had to look up. He was a chief counselor of Elizabeth, Elizabeth I, but he was also a pastor. And like Daniel, he was a resistor. He did not want to be conformed to the Church of England. I hope I have him right, because I had to look. It was just Cecil in the text, as you heard. Henry Venn, I think, is the Venn Ryle is talking about. He was a pastor of note, a missionary pastor. He also was involved in social reform. And he was a contemporary of J.C. Ryle. Edward Bickerset, Seth, Steth, I'm not sure how you say that. But he was also a noted pastor. He was a contemporary of Ryle, and his sermons are famous. Then he mentions Andrew Murray McShane. And he, my friends, was one of the most tender preachers, tender men in Christ that I have ever heard of. And so we see by example whether it was the bold Luther and Bradford of the Reformers, or the evangelist Whitfield, or a counselor to the Queen, social reform, and missionary-minded people, and then mighty pastors in the Word of God, and then the most tender, like Andrew Murray McShane, Robert Murray McShane, sorry. In fact, we use his quote in the description, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is, and nothing more. If you get a chance to read any biography of 
Robert Murray McShane, I would encourage you to do so. One of the things I love about our age as well is we could and should make note of Hannah and her prayers for her son Samuel and Israel. And in the New Testament, one of the prominent New Testament Christians is Lydia. And she was such a woman of prayer and faith that she was saved to Christ at a river, at a prayer meeting at a river. And it would seem from the text that most, if not all, the people in that prayer group were women. So whatever you're called to do, male or female, bold or humble and meek like McShane, whatever we're called to do, my beloved friends, our satisfaction comes through prayer. Our closeness to God comes through prayer. Back to Ryle to wrap up. He says, Prayer obtains fresh and continued outpourings of the Spirit. He alone begins the work of grace in a man's heart. He alone can carry it forward and make it prosper. But the good Spirit loves to be entreated, and those who ask most will have most of his influence. Thank you, Jesus. What a glorious promise. And in our lives, as we seek to fulfill his will, let us be men and women of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Holy God, in humility we bow before you, praying, help us to pray, sincerely, continually, to the glory of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. We are commended to the King, eternal, immortal. Brethren, let's pray for one another. As always, thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you at www.frponprayer.com or freerangeprayer at gmail.com. And for all your voiceover needs, go to richarddurrington.com or durringtonr at gmail.com. Keep your dial here for our next episode. And if you have a dial, you just might need an upgrade. For Fred and I, have yourself a prayerfully fun-filled day.